Hey, how's it going, Champagne Sharks? Hope everyone's doing well. Just wanted to uh, do some quick house cleaning, let people know. Go to ChampagneSharks.com and you get access to all the links related to Champagne Sharks. You can go there and find it all. And you can find where we are on social media, our products, all that stuff. Also, Patreon benefits, which includes Discord server, book club night, movie night discussions, show notes, newsletter, and most importantly, bonus episodes. So definitely become a patron for $5 a month at patreon.com forward slash champagne sharks. And without further ado, here is the episode. Take care. Hey, how's it going, Champagne Sharks? We have, um, we were going to have the whole crew, but Mario has not shown up. He might pop in later, but just wanted to get started. So uh, at this point, you pretty much know everybody. This is uh, Trevor, but uh, let's continue anyway, just in case this is somebody's first episode. So let's start with Vita. Hey, what's up? It's Vita. And I don't know. <laughs> that's it? Okay, cool. <laughs> I don't know what else to say. It's your oh, girl, Vita. <laughs> <laughs> I thought maybe you might stay where to find you on a... Uh, Twitter. Although oh. I think nobody goes to Twitter anymore, so that's a whole different story. I mean, yeah, I think no, can't, we can't get anybody to leave Twitter anyway. So you know. yeah, I think like everybody who who knows us on Twitter already follows us. Like, I mean, yes. anyone who listens to the show is on Twitter already follows us there. But you know, so be it. And then we have Kenny, of course. Hey, what's up, guys? Uh, if you wanted to find me on Twitter, you can at Victory Slap forty seven hundred. Um, and yeah, hope everybody's doing well. Have you, have you checked your old old account yet? Because a lot of people are saying post Elon, the old account. Yeah, I got a bunch of them back <laughs> <laughs> he's like actively got a bunch of those old accounts back i look at some of those old tweets from like 2020 i'm like damn that was fucked up i gotta get myself together <laughs> i gotta get my See, life I was right. banned. man like, yeah I now that i look back hindsight ain't so much you know i'm like hey maybe i should have been suspended for that do they notify you when you're unsuspended or these just no up? see that's scary because there'll be some people who got their act together since then and now have like serious media jobs, or whatever. And they're yeah. not even gonna know that they're on ban. Instead, they're gonna be canceled. Their um colorist tweets from 2010 are gonna pop up. Oh you know? man, those are the worst ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Someone who thinks that they like, oh, that old account's dead, so I'm not gonna go and delete those accounts. And suddenly it's like so well, one uh, thing's for sure is in order to get your account unsuspended, you have to petition for it. So if you petition oh. for it, you gotta look, be careful and look to see. So oh, that's so, so, all so, I did. So you petitioned. It wasn't like they just Yeah. Oh, no, okay. he didn't just oh. he ain't just unbanning accounts all all by if, if you petition for it then you can get your account back oh okay good depending on how old it is like i have some accounts from one like whew, back when big mike was alive i can't get those back like they don't even exist like the email doesn't work or anything mm. those ones that's when i used to say some crazy <laughs> those are the good ones those oh, are the good man. ones so yeah that's back in like ooh, 2014 2015 something like that you know it's, it's crazy man like there was a certain couple of years on twitter where it was like the wild West. Nobody, oh, yeah. That, that Chef Way guy, the one that was <laughs> talking. Oh, about. he was, he, that dude's a lunatic. Yeah, he's cool. Uh, uh, that chef who, uh, became an assistant. First off, I'm surprised. Usually, I would assume people like that just end up never accomplishing shit. But he was like a functional degenerate. Like he oh, actually yeah. went to law school, became an assistant DA, got a cooking channel. It was this uh, black male chef influencer who was also a day job as a lawyer, and he had like partnerships and a cooking TikTok. So he, he so I'm like, wow, this guy seemed to be the kind of person that didn't need to like he didn't fit the it made me rethink my whole idea of the stereotype of like an incel because I'm like, okay, this guy. Is seems like he should have had more going on to be doing this. Yeah, he's not shit. bummy in his mom's basement. What, what was his name? His name was Chef Wei, but he was tweeting stuff about, like, I mean, this guy just woke up and it would just be like, um, man, man black women. I just got to tweet. No, like, dark like, skin was, black women specifically. Yeah, yeah, dark skin black women. I mean, he didn't like oh, any Chef of them. Oh, Chef Esquire. Yeah. Is that him? Yeah. Oh, okay. He ended up, he ended up uh, losing his job over it, but it was just like, um, you know that you know that meme format where it says nobody and it says blank, uh, Space and then it shows your response. Like everyday tweeting was like that for him. It would just be like no one be saying anything. And he would just go in on on uh black women in general, but dark skinned black women. Uh and what made it worse was that people started um it turned out some of these were doctored. People started photoshopping and doctoring uh additional ones, which to me makes no sense because the real ones are bad enough. I don't know why. Yeah, I guess yeah, they were just, they were just piling fired. on. They were just piling on. Yeah, so people start adding stuff like, man, uh, you know. Everyone should, should should beat the shit out of a black woman today. It's just, it's just like, like like getting extra, and and then um, they get I hate people do that when there's already something egregious happening, and you can just stick yeah. with what is already bad enough. You don't have to add to it. In fact, you totally detract 
from well the reason why they the reason why they do it is because they want to suck the juice out of their original and get more clout you know yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah. So that, you know they want to go viral so bad yeah 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 and uh yeah so and that person had to end up apologizing themselves when they came yeah when they came out and stuff but um yeah and i think what made it worse was that he didn't really his his old account i think i think he might use the same account like he didn't even he was um, using his real name like an idiot yeah yeah. <laughs> his real picture. Yeah, he still a clown. I think he might have got rid of the tweets, but he didn't change. Uh, he forgot. You know what happens, and it happens to a lot of these people. They forgot. But he they did forget. years of it. He did years yeah. of it. Like, like okay, like I had a tweet that I forgot about. It was from like years ago, and it was uh, I used the word tranny in the tweet. But <laughs> I didn't know. Like I honestly didn't know that it was a slur. You know, like I, I didn't know. I'm in like, 2015, uh, 2013, it wasn't. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like if you were well plugged into that community, like you, like people forget how normalized a lot of trans discourse became after Caitlyn Jenner but before then you know unless you were like plugged into like LGBTQ issues and all that stuff and you know I grew up blue collar I went to like state school you know I'm older I didn't know like it was a a slur so I wasn't like disparaging like trans trans people as a community but I used the word in there and then that thing uh, that screen cap still comes up all the time are uh, you fucking serious oh yeah somebody screen capped it they found it and then uh, and uh, you know there was one like uh, LGBTQ person was calling me the n-word and all this stuff whoa and, and using the uh, you know because that appeared on Chapo and it was like one of those like third pack leftist guys and they're like Chapo had this guy and they started dropping like, n-bombs and stuff and yeah, well, you know, they were gonna they were gonna say that anyway yeah 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 <laughs> exactly. not fooling anybody people think just because they're gay they won't be racist Fuck yeah here. yeah yeah and you know like because all these the kind of people in that irony circle like follow each other that thing would just keep the screen cap would just keep uh popping up but that was literally one um tweet like that's the thing you could forget like because um yeah. even i didn't even i didn't remember it when i when i saw it and I was like, oh, I, you know, because what happened with that tweet was that somebody actually had um, pointed out to me that it was a slur. And then like years later, and I actually um, deleted it when I found out. I was like, oh, you know, I didn't know. So I said, you know, sorry, I, yeah, I, you know, it's, uh, that's why I don't have Facebook, because I was one of the early people on Facebook Because back when you you had to have an EDU uh, website because I was still in college at the time. And I'll never forget it. One day, I don't know why I hadn't been on Facebook in years, but I still had a Facebook. And some just told me to just Google my name. And mm-hmm. my Facebook post started coming up on, on images. Wow, man. I ain't even going to say the stuff I was saying. I, I'll tell you guys offline, but I said some shit that I was like, yo, that's just fucking foul. You know what I mean? Like, it, this is you back in like 2007. Oh, yeah. I was very ashamed. <laughs> yeah, it was some shameful shit, dude. So this is like 2007. You know what I mean? And I was just, I said something that was just <laughs> completely out of line. And I deleted my Facebook. I was like, no, nah, yeah, no. Because this is, this, I mean, I, this is way before I knew y'all. So there was no idea of a, of a podcast or, my, you know, I wasn't even in my professional career yet, but I was just like, yeah, let me just get rid of that shit. You know what I'm saying? I don't think like yeah. that anymore and I'm not that type of person. So let me just delete that garbage and, you know. Vita, I sent a link in the chat. Uh, the, the reason I brought up my example was that was literally one tweet. So I couldn't stand forgetting that. This dude, it was a years long personality day in, day out, it seems. <laughs> this was just what he did. Like, there's no way you can forget that. That's like years, yeah. uh, you you know of yeah yeah but this was an actual personality you know what i mean this isn't yeah. just like i just made an offhand mark remark that i didn't know was a bad word you know what i mean it's not like he said oh i didn't know darky was a slur you know yeah yeah yeah, yeah. exactly exactly <laughs> he's yeah. literally because politics going... back then that's the thing so much so much of so much of identity politics is the rule of the day compared to i mean 2013 but it wasn't even, even that way it wasn't these are just how he believed this is these are things that he's saying specifically about black women like it's clear oh you're talking about the chef guy yeah 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 oh yeah he's just out of pocket yeah I was was talking about T oh oh yeah oh yeah with T yeah clearly like that was no with that dude that dude's a lunatic Yeah, it is a lunatic. Man. Something's trolling is not a get out of free card because you have to kind of believe in something to post it that much, even as a joke. And and the, the reason I tell you why there was one time Mario and I, I believe, wanted to do like a kind of uh, troll. Uh, I think it was, were you involved in it too, Ken? I forget. It was like years ago, but we're like we should do a trolling account and make it like kind oh, of yeah. like oh, a yeah. social justice type of, type of site. Oh yeah, and oh, see yeah. if we can get it popular because because we're believing that as long as you say anything these people agree with they will automatically blow you up right so I was like yes. I wonder if we just came on and just said 
stuff about black men with no proof, uh, how long it would take for us to get like five digit followers, you know, or be cited in stuff or be invited to group DMs. And we did like about two or three tweets in that account. We're like, this is exhausting. Like, it's exhausting to, yeah. to, to believe we in this. We just didn't have it in us to keep going on with that shit. Yeah, even as a spoof, we're like, to do like a month of this, you know, and pretend. And we just like gave up. And that's when I realized like, okay. I was one, saying, I like, wanted, I remember when we were talking about that because it was somebody, um, I can't remember who it was, but they had created an account and they were um, pretty much going in on black people and it was a black person and all these uh, right wingers and racists were like giving them money. Like they gave them like $67,000. It was a young girl. It was a girl. And then come to find out she was just gaming the system. Like she didn't believe any of that shit. She just wanted their money. And I was like, you know what, man, we should put up a GoFundMe and create some kind of way for these idiots to give us money because they'll do it. You know what I mean? So, but we never went through with it. It was, you know, that was a long time ago. There was, he actually said Sandra Bland deserved to die. <laughs> he, he, Who said that? The, the Chef Way guy. Oh my God. I'm, I'm looking at some of it now. That's what I'm saying. Why even make up the one about beating black women? Like the stuff you said is so. That was bad egregious. enough. That's egregious. What year was that when he said that? Good question. I mean, it was. 2015? Yeah, 2015. Damn, you nailed it. That's exactly when it was. Yeah, I had to think about it because you got to remember at that time, that's when people like Popson was around and the, the yeah. stuff that he used to say was just egregious, crazy shit about black people. And that's when the alt rights that Ricky Vaughn dude was still around and they were all piling around with these dudes. You know what I mean? Like, I always say this. There is a certain group of people that were on Twitter back then. And there's a certain group of people that are on Twitter now that weren't around. So when I see and I see that some people rebrand, a lot of those hoteps have rebranded into black empowerment and pro blackness when I can remember vividly. I know them by name because we used to get into it with them. You know what I mean? They rebranded and now they're on this pro black, uh, black wealth and all this type of shit and it's like man the only reason why they're getting away with this is because the generation of Twitter has changed to the point to where some people uh, probably the majority of them don't remember these dudes they weren't there you know what I mean yeah. but because we was calling them all types of coons back then everybody was and it was that Hotep Jesus and Uncle Hotep and all those dudes like man we used to clown them dudes I still I'll never forget that day they found out what that Uncle Hotep dude's wife looked like oh man I'll never forget that day and I was like yeah it makes sense you know what I'm saying the way his wife look and the stuff he'd be saying I'm like yeah it makes, it makes a lot of sense but a lot of those dudes were able to rebrand you know what I'm saying and people allowed them to because they didn't remember them you know so it just it's like ebbs and flows man it just it just it just depends on who's doing it no t- no totally totally and I think it's a good way to tie into today's topic which is the Chris Rock special because I think that has a lot to do with um getting in trouble with what you said uh being anti-black woman and all this stuff because he's you know so where's where Chris Rock right I find pretty interesting is that I feel like people have been using the slap and this special to just air out every problem they ever had with him uh, yeah. ever yeah even if they didn't feel that way in the beginning like say like you were someone who used to like Chris Rock but don't like him now because different things came up so it's kind of weird a lot of discourse to me is about this special but it's not actually about this special it's just a special yeah. just an excuse to kind of air out so people are using it to defend Jada Pinkett and that she's a victim. I'm like, okay, that's that's too much. Because to me, like, once you sleep with your son's like best friend, you know, and he's like so under rage, and the the crisscross rumor, which may may or not be true, I don't want to. Yeah, I don't know if that's true or not. But that, that's um, true. But yeah. in light of the, to me, that's less of a moral jump as far as scumbaggery, like than the um, messing with your son's best friend with clear mental issues. Uh, that's like so so younger. So it's like it's believable is plausible like I'm not really going to you know act like she's like some kind of shrinking violet or whatever uh, but uh, people are bringing that up people are bringing up the Louis C.K. Jerry Seinfeld uh, yeah Gervais they're just looking for anything we let them drop and, and a lot of them are valid I think critiques like for example the the good hair I saw good hair for the first time very recently when I saw it I was like oh this is really bad As yeah in, I like, seen it long time ago I was like yeah this isn't a good look yeah yeah you know like like uh, encourage, basically encouraging white people to clown like black women and exactly. their hair and all that stuff. Yeah. I thought that was really yeah. a bad look. I, I think it's funny because um, the Jada Pinkett stuff was such a small part of that special. Yeah. And there was so much more I could, I could, I can. But that's what everybody will. was tuning in for. They all were waiting right. for that. Right. Right. Yeah. But there's so much more yeah. that I can and will complain about as we go through this Yeah. Podcast. I feel the same way. Like, like uh, I don't know if this is 
what you're going to talk about, Vita, because there's so many different things that you can talk about as far as Chris critiquing the special. But there were things that that were so much worse. I'm like, why is Jada? Because with people now, there's something I think Kenny coined this. Uh, we call we call it the, the the hood rat defense squad, where people just kind of not saying Jada Pink is a hood rat, but because what she did was kind of raggedy, she, she for the purposes of this discussion is an honorary hood rat, and yeah. they have to um they got know, to make defend her, her. Make defender and make her yeah. the victim. So if you didn't see the special, which you know I didn't until yesterday, uh, see it in full, I would have thought the whole thing was him going in on Will Smith and, and Jada. They, they had to like, he just came in and said, it's it's Jada bashing time. He just waited yeah. for an hour. Yeah. But, uh, to me, the way worse part to me was the black excellence stuff. The black, uh, well, like, I was like, I don't care about your daughter writing, uh, taking writing lessons and being in Paris. And it, it was just a lot of black respectability politics, black, you know, my daughter speak all these languages. They went to the best schools and my mom was, um, you know, had to go to a vet to to see uh to get her teeth extracted as a kid because it was so racist but now she gets to sit in paris because of my money i was like okay we get it you made it like you're like you're, like you're rich this is not really funny it's like it's not patting, funny yeah just patting yourself on the back for you know uh it, it reminded me of those, those those shirts i hate uh we are our ancestors wildest yeah. dreams it was, it yeah. was like I was like yeah. I thought that was more annoying than Jada Pinkett stuff. But I, I think I, what I think what I, happened is oh, go ahead, Vita. Yeah, yeah, say yeah. I think I chuckled one time that entire special. I did not laugh. It wasn't very funny. I thought the jokes were too. It pretty much went where I thought they were gonna go, and I don't think jokes are that funny when I can predict where your jokes are gonna go. And then sometimes the jokes just weren't funny. It was just yeah. bland. Yeah, I think um yeah, and we've talked about this off air. I never thought Chris Rock was really that funny. And when and and the reason. Why why I say is because growing up, you know, when you have, you know, it's like this era, like we talk about the golden era of hip hop. When you talk about the golden era of black comedy, you're talking Eddie Murphy, Robin Harris, Bernie Mac, uh, the Wayans brothers, the, the main Wayne brothers, Damon and Keenan Ivory, um, you know, Martin and all these different dudes. And I never, I never thought about Chris Rock as one of those comedians because, and this is before he did the black folks versus nigger jokes. This is, I'm talking on the nineties. You know what I'm saying? I remember when Chris Rock was on Saturday Night Live. You know what I'm saying? That wasn't what was driving me to watch Saturday Night Live. First of all, I didn't watch Saturday Night Live. So let's just get that out the way. But I just never thought that he could connect to black folks, even though he's from Brooklyn, right? Uh, Yeah. He's from from Bed-Stuy. And and from when Bed-Stuy was Bed-Stuy, like he's from the crack era of Bed-Stuy. Right. So I never even, I never, I never, I I, I saw him in, he has certain spots. I remember he had a little couple of, I think Eddie Murphy's who put him on. I mean, he has certain spots in uh, Beverly Hills Cop. Then he played in Boomerang. Like he's had these little spots, you know, New Jack City, but as far as him having being funny, like we were talking off the air, and I brought up uh, Robin Harris. Like, there's certain things we can talk about our community, talk about black people, and there's certain things that you'd be like, oh yeah, that's funny. Or even if it's a white person, like Bill Burr. Bill Burr's funny not because he's white, it's because he's funny. You know what I mean? So when you hear Robin Harris talk about Bebe's kids, that was a, a, a stand-up thing he did before the cartoon ever came out. Right. So we can identify with a lot of this stuff. It seemed like to me what Chris Rock was doing in this special, which he's done before, is almost like he had to reintroduce himself to let everybody know that I know Will Smith slapped me, but I'm rich. You know what I'm saying? It doesn't matter what Will Smith did because I'm rich and I just happen to be black. You know what I mean? And it, he's always come across as that way. Respect. He reminds me of like the comedic the comedic version of Spike Lee. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Spike Lee does the same thing. Like, you know, okay. You know, even in I'm Spike gonna, Lee's old age, the way he depicts yeah. black life is kind of ridiculous I'm gonna, now. I'm going to say this in defense of Chris Rock and Spike Lee is that I feel like they both used to be much, much better. But because I'm older than you guys, like I can remember when they were like more community icons. Like it's hard to explain now, but it's black New York hip hop culture used to be this very weird in that they weren't really celebrities even though they were on MTV and kind of becoming celebrities they were just still considered like local um, hood celebrities so it's like you would see LL Cool J in the mall I would see LL Cool J in the mall like all he's on his second third album he's just walking around the mall no bodyguards nothing and you know uh, you would see Salt and Pe- I'll get Chinese food one time I remember one time I went to get Chinese food in Queens and Salt and Pepper and Kid and Play were there and it's like oh yeah I got like your video and um, just weird stuff like that would happen that, that, that would not happen now you would not no. see a local new york celebrity even in your, in your own city you know they'd be behind a velvet rope they would you know well yeah um, but but that but you gotta think about it too like today we've and it's our own fault we put these people on such a pedestal you know what i mean like even like you were saying like it wasn't a big deal to see 
rappers. You know what I mean? They're, they're also still mostly black famous. Like there yeah. were some white people who was really ahead of the curve and liked hip hop, but it wasn't pop music the way it is now. No, like, no. That's back when selling gold was still a big deal. That was a big deal, right? Right. Yeah, yeah. Now people can go gold and people call it a flop. Like if Jay Z went gold, the album would be a flop. You know? Right. Right. Back then, like you know, you went gold, you were like amazing. You know? Um, a, a lot of these albums, like the best selling albums of all time, people don't realize when they went gold and platinum years yeah. after they came out and people yeah. started seeing them as uh iconic but yeah. Like, uh, yeah a lot of those old like iconic rap albums didn't go gold for like uh years they were just hood hood big yeah like and, even uh, tupac even tupac's music yeah so i remember like these to be like celebrity basketball shows at St. John's University yeah. and Chris Rock and Flavor Flav would be among the celebrities but it would be mixed in with like people who nowadays would be considered a joke like that's how like low um, the bar for hip hop celebrity uh, was and I used to really like people like him and Spike Lee then because they didn't really elevate into the stratosphere yet and I, I thought he was really 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 funny but I feel like when he got to Saturday Night Live I believe the Living Color people gave him the chance to be on Living Color he chose Saturday Night Live and even yeah. uh, kind of bashed him about it on in Living Color that he chose that show and I felt like they never really used him well there they just made him do the racial part of the show yeah yeah he, he was just there to be a token and do like racial humor and I feel like he became what you described like he became someone that was chasing the white audience and it, yeah. it worked for him but he he was to me he wasn't really like he was kind of like a cold switcher because he was doing late night talk shows very early in his career and he talked different there's a clip of him he actually plays a clip of it in the beginning of this special where he says uh you know a prostitute came up with him and said uh she'll do anything with 300 dollars he's like well bitch clean my car or something he did that like yeah. on a white tv show or something and his voice was different but he used to be like on in black comedy spaces talking a different way and at one point he just decided to me it seems that he wanted to be uh, white famous and be white people's favorite black comic as well as black respectability people's um, favorite comic like, like the black respectability crowd always liked them and I feel like him and Spike Lee had a similar trajectory mm-hmm. in that like uh, yeah Spike Lee is very respectability Martha's Vineyard now and you know but before white- he was yeah. you know Air Jordan commercials yeah. you know what I'm saying and and in hip hop videos and, and representing for the culture to a certain degree. Yeah, she's got to have it. It's like so authentic. You know what I mean? Yeah. In a way that I think he could never tap into uh, from like the mid 90s onward. I mean, so when they did the remake, is, it was garbage. So what do you think happened to Chris Rock versus what has happened to, let's say, Eddie Murphy? Eddie Murphy was also doing, you know, kind of the black comedian on Saturday Night Live and he was doing buckwheat. And, you know what I mean? So and he, he started, he was also, you know, he he thought in fact he became a mainstream um comedian and comedic actor in white movies and or movies produced by white um uh um studios and whatnot so i, I think well, yeah what's the I, difference what, what do you i think, think eddie murphy yeah I'm, I'm gonna answer i don't know what you mean i think eddie murphy i think this is the difference between him and eddie murphy right eddie murphy came on saturday night live when this guy named dick ebersol was in charge of saturday night live people always remember um people always remember lauren michaels as the head of saturday night live and he created it but he left yeah. for a couple of years and people uh forget about it there were two people um i used to be reading to saturday night live and you're gonna realize that as i talk um because it used to actually be uh, kind of funny I, I i believe uh it hasn't been for a long time and for a majority of its existence it wasn't but uh it started going downhill and there were two people i think i think these are the only two people who ever ran the show outside of lord michaels and that's uh gene Dumanian. she was there for like one year i think it was like 1979 1980 or something uh she was there for like one year then this guy named dick ebersol and dick ebersol i mean this thing it was doing abysmal like it was uh you know pretty doing pretty garbage and he he pretty much let um, Eddie Murphy just take over the show. Eddie Murphy was such a super talent. Like one thing people don't realize about Eddie Murphy is that uh, he's so uber talented. You, you, you know, he's like, have you ever seen a League of, League of Their Own? Uh, yeah. That movie. Yeah. Um, there's Laurie Petty's character who works hard and desperately wants to be a great baseball player. And then there's Gina Davis, the oldest sister, who's not even really into baseball like her. She doesn't dream about it like her sister does, but she's just more talented. And it makes the sister crazy. And she's like, I want this more than anything. You have it and you do it almost effortlessly and you don't want it. Like all she wanted to do was uh, get married and have kids and just live a simple life. And opportunities to chase her because she was just too good. So um, 
the sister only even got signed because they wanted Gina Davis. And she's like, if you take me, you got to take my sister. And the way to make the sister even present her more. And she's like, you don't even want this. And you actually, and you're, you're getting me on the team, not even myself. And, you know, the sister had to keep fighting to get good enough to be recognized on her own. And, you know, Gina Davis could always take or leave, um, baseball. They say, from what I understand, that Eddie Murphy was the same way with, uh, comedy uh eddie murphy always wanted to be a musician that was his love yep he had a band absolutely and, that's the truth he, yeah he loved fucking music and if you notice he's never come back to comedy after santa but comedy. he's always stayed in music yeah he's always there he did music as late as 2000 uh, party all the time was not a gimmick no it was not it was not a gimmick everyone assumed he was just a comedian doing a gimmick that was his first love he came yeah. back in as late as 2015 he i won't be surprised if you if looked and found out he, he did music again he, he has an album that just came out like two years ago yeah i believe it yeah he always he was making albums first of all uh just side note mario's trying to get in but oh, he, okay, eddie murphy cool. was making albums before he did boomerang he yeah. was making he was making albums even then like he, he had that song with michael jackson yeah, yeah 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 this is the thing about eddie murphy when you talk about how it worked compared to chris rock oh, one wait, thing wait, about wait, eddie wait, Mur- wait, hold on can you hold that i just want to finish i just want to finish the story Go ahead. okay um so he got into comedy so, and this is a crazy story to me he would warm up the crowd and loosen up the crowd at his music concerts by doing uh, little jokes and whatever. And people just loved the jokes. He was just that naturally good at, you know, comedy. So from what I understand, people kept pressuring him um, to just do stand-up comedy. Like, you're really you're really good at this. He's like, no, I'm not really a comedian. I want to do music. Uh, I don't really want to do this. But he was just that good. So you have to imagine how good you have to be at something to be kind of drafted in against your will. There's something that people are dying to get into. You're like, uh, yeah, I can take her or leave it. People like please he was that funny but it's hard to really grasp how disturbingly or naturally like funny Eddie Murphy is at stand up if you're under a certain age because all his innovations are now just normal black comedy yeah yep. you know yep. like there's black comedy before Eddie Murphy and after and all the deaf comedy jam everything like he's just a blueprint yeah you know? and black think- comedy before Eddie Murphy was like Dick Gregory Richard Pryor Richard was Pryor. blue Richard Pryor was blue so you had Dick Gregory and Moms Mabley and stuff Red Fox but it wasn't Eddie Murphy created hip hop comedy that's where hip hop comedy you know but I think a lot of I think what happened with a lot of those comedians because I was going to touch on this when we talk about Chris Rock a lot of those black comedians were able to get away with a lot of bullshit you know what I'm saying so you can get away with going on stage saying fuck you bitch suck my dick and sting on some people in the crowd and good night you know what I'm saying you can get away with that after Eddie Murphy to where before you couldn't get away with that you you had to have punchline set up punchline you know joke you know whatever but whereas after that you look at Def Comedy Jam there was a lot of bad comics on Def, Tom, Def Comedy yeah, Jam yeah because they were taking the superficial aspects of Eddie Murphy yeah but not because Eddie Murphy had the blueness and the um, punchlines of the old stuff, but he combined it with the long form storytelling of a yes. Richard Pryor, where he can yes. tell like a long story and yes. keep you engaged. So he kind of combined like different elements of like, you know, black comedy and then added like a hip hop uh, veneer to it. And it was just this alchemy. I was like, amazing. So the, the combination of his extreme talent combined with the fact that he came on when Lorne Michael was a non, Dick Ebersol was like, I don't give a fuck. I just want um to have a hit and this thing sucks. Uh, Wait, so and, and plus Eddie was, Murphy mm-hmm. came at a time where, I mean, look how he dressed in in, in uh, Raw and Delirious. Like that's the crack era. You know what I'm saying? This yeah, is 1983, yeah. 84, 85, where he was, he, he, he set a standard that didn't exist. Like it's Michael Jordan. That you know was what the saying? same thing. That was a, what he did in comedy was the same thing that Run DMC did exactly. in hip hop. Exactly. Run DMC took the style from the drug dealers in the streets. Hip hop, Really before Run DMC, they were just like Houdini and yeah. Melly Mel. Like, yeah, like costumes. Space, yeah, costumes and space outfits. And yeah, you're absolutely right. He brought the drug dealer street aesthetic into um into uh stand-up the way Run DMC brought it into hip hop. Yeah. It seems crazy to say now that somebody had to bring in the drug dealer street look into hip hop. Right. But yeah, but before so, they were they're dressing like parliament and shit in hip hop. So, but uh, so I wanted com- to touch on yeah, what right. I wanted to touch on if you were done. I wanted to touch uh, on uh were you done? I was gonna say one one last thing. This will this will answer Vita's question. <laughs> the combination of his extreme level of talent that was like so like unprecedented and undeniable, right? Combined with the fact that he came on with Dick Ebersol, because Lorne Michaels to me is kind of low key racist. He never lets a black person become more than just a token. 
Like, if you ever look, black people under Lorne Michael, Eddie Murphy under Lorne Michael would never become Eddie Murphy. He would have right. just been there to just do stereotypical um, characters or just come on when they had no choice but to use a black person. So, um, but like, I remember when Eddie Murphy's episodes were first run. Like, I was a kid. I was I was alive. People used to treat like the Eddie Murphy show. It was just Eddie Murphy and the white people. That, that was basically the show. All right. people did on, on Monday at work, at school, any place, was talk about Eddie Murphy's uh, bits. And I truly believe that they told themselves because he had them over a barrel. And he picture this, picture this black guy has you over a barrel. He's the most powerful part of your show. He's more powerful than everybody put together and he became this everywhere he went uh, when he was that red hot he would like um, make those white people sweat like the way he did Boomerang and you know made it all black the um, cast and white people were serving the black people he would do fucked up shit like that too like he would fuck with white people in a way that so you just took the, you just took you just took exactly what I was going to say out of my mouth yeah, that's they, the difference between Eddie Murphy and Chris Rock yeah right he there. had more power yeah. more talent and he would he used his talent people. and yeah. his power to support and and help other black comics. Look at all the comics that, I mean, when you look at Eddie Murphy Raw, you look at who wrote it and who the writers were. You got Robert Townsend, you got Martin Ken Lawrence. Ivy Wayans. Yeah. There's a lot of people that wrote on that. I think even yeah, Paul Martin, Mooney had a Martin part Martin Lawrence that. was in, uh, was, did, did Raw too, I think. No, he, he, no, he wasn't a part of that. So this, this is the thing though. So when you have all these people and Eddie Murphy goes to the moon, he's on a spaceship, right? So he goes to the moon. He could have easily said, you know what? I can just go and do white people stuff now. No, what does he do? He comes back with Harlem Knights and puts Robin Harrison there, puts his brother in there, Red Fox, Richard Pryor, um, Della Reese, all these icons. He comes back. Then what does he do? Like T just said with Boomerang. That literally, if you think about it, outside of the white guy that they scared inside the, the department store and the lady that was the the uh, the waitress, I don't think there's any other white people in that movie. No, and yeah, like you said, the white people that were there were like um, basically there to be what black people usually are in a white movie which is right. just to be they like were literally windowed yeah they were window, window dressing, dressing or to help yes and he did that on purpose and the LA Times if you google LA Times boomerang review uh, people are listening they hated it yeah super racist it was, yeah I, I remember, remember he was on Arsenio talking about that years ago yeah and it is a clip of him talking about it on Jay Leno as as well like uh, to this day that like so many people wrote in to uh, he wrote into LA Times himself to do an op-ed because the review is so racist and Reginald, Reginald Hudlin all these different who wrote House Party had to write in like it was a ridiculous yeah. racist that really happened? Yeah. 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 Damn, I don't even remember that. I remember the reviews were crazy, but I don't, I don't remember all those people actually. Yeah, I remember he uh, went on Arsenio and talked about it specifically because yeah, I, I, I always yeah. said that's Eddie Murphy's best movie is Boomerang. And and, and Damon Wayans came on to um, Damon Wayans came on to Saturday Night Live after Eddie Murphy left. And this is what happened, right? Eddie Murphy got so powerful. He kept making more and more demands and they, and they were in a position where they needed the black person more than he needed them, you know, because he was not afraid to monopolize on his talent. And they made the mistake of giving him too much of the show and letting people see how funny he was. So after a while, he left and he didn't, um, he didn't, they couldn't give him enough to keep him. And Damon Wayans came on after uh, he left. And when Damon Wayans came on was when Lauren Michaels came back. And Damon Wayans said that he noticed because Damon Wayans is banned from Saturday Night Live. Um, <laughs> right? Because uh, they would not give him anything to do except for token stuff. And actually, I take it back. He might have overlapped with the tail end of Eddie Murphy. Uh, but, but either way, he was there when Lloyd Michaels came back, he was getting really frustrated. It wouldn't give him anything to do except just to uh, be background or do something stereotypical. And he, he said that he realized that they never wanted to give a black person that much power over the show um, again. And I believe that's why Chris Rock's tenure was the way it was because he made it clear he was playing a different game to Eddie Murphy. Like, Chris Rock hangs out with those stand-up comics to this day. Yeah. He's different than Eddie Murphy. And Eddie Murphy, you know those rappers are like, I'm not a rapper, those type of rappers. Like, no matter how long they rap, they pretend that, oh, rap chose me. That was Eddie Murphy with comedy, you know? Um, whereas um, Chris Rock is like Nas. He's He's like the guy, he's, I'm a comic. Like, that's my craft. I mean, regardless of whether you think he talent-wise, he's the equivalent of Nas. But like, ignoring that, I'm talking about attitude toward the craft. A Chris Rock will always go back to the workshop, comics, comic shops, I mean, comic stages. He's always hanging out with those old comics and doing, remember Top 5, he puts all the stand-ups in it. Eddie Murphy has never considered himself part of that stand-up no. fraternity, if you notice. 
He never fucks with them. He doesn't hang out with them. He doesn't do old shows. You know, and I think that almost kind of burns them up more. This is old clip where he had beef with Saturday Night Live because David Spade did a joke about his career on Weekend Update. And he was really upset because he was like, yo, I carried your show for years. If it wasn't for me, you wouldn't have had a show to come back to. And you make me a butt of a of a joke, you know, like I've had a better career than anyone else on that show. But I think it's telling that they did that because they were so happy the minute he had some kind of back backtrack because he kind of punked them, you know, and they know no matter what, he's always going to be the best thing that came out of the show and that the show's a footnote on his career, not the other way around. It's not supposed right. to be that way with uh, black people in the white institution, you know? So I think that's the difference between uh, Chris Rock and, and Eddie Murphy, like like the sheer talent level, the timing, because I think Ebersol and the attitude like he was very unafraid to press his advantage like, like he knew he was good and I feel like Chris Rock is kind of that person who's always afraid of being poor again so like no matter how good they do they will kind of always swallow a little bit of something you know what I mean yeah I don't know that, that makes sense it makes sense. I mean, and, and everything you said, both of you guys um, answered my question because I was just thinking, because this is a conversation I've actually had with my family. We were talking about this um, a few weeks ago because um, my, my brother was saying some of the jokes came off a little. Basically, he, he well, he basically was just like, Chris Rock kind of rubs him the wrong way. And I think for me, he's, re as I've gotten older, the more I've just seen Chris Rock differently. It's like cause I, the jokes that I thought, not when you hear certain jokes, especially come from black comedians, sometimes you, there are certain jokes you think are from black people for black people and you laugh because you're like oh this is just black people cracking on black people it's like family cracking on family kind of thing right yeah like the baby kids joke from robin harris right like you don't like we don't believe robin harris sees us as a people stereotypically but we but we're cracking on jokes as a family you know what i mean because this is something maybe we've seen in our community but you know but we don't stereotype ourselves right um but the more i listen to chris rock and as i've gotten older older and the consistency in it i I think he's the like I said in our and um, before the show. He's like the Aaron Magruder of comedy. You know, like you kind of woke me up to, to seeing Boondocks even differently, and not just you, other people too. And, and seeing like how I don't know this. Uh, first of all, this is about us just kind of he he look at this kind of funny stuff that happens in our community. To wait. Are you making fun of us? <laughs> are you trying to say this is who we are as a people? And so sometimes I like even in this special, right? There were a few jokes that like I thought were just first of all, it just wasn't that funny. I'm just gonna be straight up. It wasn't even really that funny. I felt like he missed the mark. There were opportunities for jokes to be funny, and then I think his setup and his delivery just didn't land. Um, but even his joke, like he had a joke about um Meghan Markle, right? And he was talking about how um it's not racism, it's just in-laws, and he makes this point about them wanting to see if it's going to be a brown baby and how that's not racist. He's like, even black people do that. Black people want to see if it's a brown baby, if it's a light-skinned baby, dark baby, whatever he was saying, right? And then I'm like, but that's still racism. Like, you could have still used the joke and still said how to, how that was still racism. Like, you get what I'm saying? It's almost yeah, like... He, that's a great point. Yeah, but, but I feel like, well, over the years, he's kind of done that multiple times where it's like, you, can, you can't pretend like you're going to be this guy or this crusader who's going to acknowledge racism and do that in your comedy and then miss the mark in places like that. And then later do a dark skin joke about Draymond Green and a pillow. You know, it just doesn't, it just doesn't fit in my opinion. If you're going to do it, then do it. If you're not, then don't play that game. Cause you then don't. You, yeah. Yeah. Cause you're not smart enough to pull it off and don't try to pretend like you are that intellectual. Don't do like, don't try to pretend to do intellectual comedy. If you're not that intellectual. Yeah. Leave that then, to Dave Chappelle. Exactly. And then, and then also don't try to come off like you're like, you don't like you on some um, black shit and you not. Cause it almost, almost, it, it just didn't, it didn't, it didn't land for me. It almost rubs me the wrong way. And I do think that even though some people might feel like, I know you like you kind of made this point, Ken, people are kind of bringing in the Ricky Gervais, um, Louis C.K., um, whatever that that clip where that go that goes around with him letting them say nigger a bunch of times. But I think when clips like that go around and you kind of it, it does flip something in your mind, like wait a minute. Like you start to see Chris Rock differently and it does make you look at his comedy differently. You can't, I don't think you can even help it if you've never seen, if you didn't see, cause it's different mm -hmm. for you, Kenny, because you already saw him a certain way already. Yeah. So seeing a clip like that wasn't something that would have shocked you or surprised you. No, but, hell no. Right. But if you're, but if you, but if you were like me and you're, you know, you're younger and you're thinking, oh, these jokes are, are, and I, not, not to say that that particular clip at that time shocked me because I had already changed the way I saw him. But I could see if seeing that clip for the first time and you go, wait a minute, this is how Chris Rock is. Wait a minute. Yeah. Think about these other times I've heard him talk or these other times I've seen interviews with him. Wait, wait a minute. Let me look at Black Hair again. Uh, the Black Hair. What's that? Good right. Hair documentary again. Good Hair. Yeah. Yeah. You start to go, wait a minute. 
wait a minute. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, I'm not going to say too much because I feel like I've spoken too much already. But I was going to say, I, unlike Kenny, I did like Chris Rock even after he did his shift. Uh, but also, I think my politics were worse, you know, so I did like it. But I'm like you in that I had to kind of reevaluate and I kind of realized, oh, but it was the same thing with me in, in Boondocks. It wasn't like I was always on the right side of things, you know, from the from the from the beginning. And I think it's kind of Chris Rock's problem is that he still thinks to a certain degree it's still 1998 to 2010. And it's mm-hmm. and it's not. And that's why some of those jokes like what he said about, you know, the black in-laws, you know, just don't don't work today. Oh, no, man. I just I can't get past seeing that nigga as Pookie. I just <laughs> that's always been my whole thing with him. I just no matter how sophisticated he tries to get, no matter what he tries to do to change. I just I can't never get past seeing him, you know, sweating and cheesing. I just, it just he played that role very well. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes you can play a role so well to your detriment that it's all. I- people can see you at. I hate that we spoke so much and then Mario just comes in with one line. I think it's like the best the best line of the episode. I think he just summed up uh, the past uh, 30 minutes just perfectly. I think he's, <laughs> that's the best. Yeah, you're right. He's, he just can't shake Pookie. I think you, I think you actually nailed it. <laughs> can't shake Pookie. Yeah, but you know, the thing about it is like when he, when I saw the clip with him and Louis C.K. and all them, it's like there's a, there's a, I don't know this for sure, but if you look the at the infamous uh, nigger, nigger clip or whatever. Yeah. Okay. When you look at when you look at the, the the comedians that he's around majority of the time, and then you look at other comedians and who they're around, like you can see, you know, what I'm saying I wouldn't expect to see Chris Rock hanging around with Corey Holcomb, you know, what I'm saying or or um, yeah, Bernie Mac. Yeah. Bernie Mac was alive, you know what I mean. I wouldn't expect to see them together because their their comedies are is so much different, and not saying that their comedies has to overlap, but sim- the sim- like I was telling you guys earlier, um, every now and then uh, Joe Rogan will have com- comedians on his sh- on his show, like he's had. Dave Chappelle on there a few times. He had Charlie Murphy on there a few times before he passed away. And they all said the same thing. Like when you, you know, when you're cutting your teeth in comedy and you go to those white rooms, you know, you can get away with a lot of shit. You know what I mean? But when you go to the black rooms, you know, there's a lot of, you can't get a re- get away with too much. You got to be funny. You know what I mean? And I don't think Chris Rock really wanted to go that route. I think Chris Rock got comfortable on that, on the white side and was like, okay, you know, I, I'll, I'll get black people in by doing what I'm doing over here. One, because I'm black two i'm gonna throw in some black jokes as compared to uh what was the name of the comedy uh they had the uptown comedy club what was the one in la back in the day and robin harris used to um host that show oh, i know what you're talking about this oh, was in the 80s um, yeah it had a tv show attached to it too right it was a tv show attached to no, it yeah uh, it's the uptown, comedy it's the union com- oh. Say the, it again? Comedy, the, the club Robin Harris was, I think, was the Comedy Union. Yeah, Wait, but the name of the show, show was too. called Comic um, View. The show was Comic View. No, no, it was way uh, before Comic View. Is this the one that oh, had, before Comic View? Uh, is, yeah, is it's way one before Tracy, Comic View. Is the one that Tracy Morgan on it too? Or no? no, this is this is uh, as a matter of fact, I think the comedy spot was on Crenshaw. Yeah, it was a little more part. I just watched a documentary about it. You sure it's not um the Comedy Union? No, it's not the Comedy Union. Um, it's Aaron. The actually, I think it was syndicated, so it aired different nights, different. Places. I can't. I can't remember what it was called. Called, um, Robin Harris Comedy Act Theater. The Comedy, Comedy Act, Act Theater. Theater. That's there you was. go. The Comedy Act Theater. Comedy Act Theater was the West Coast version of Deaf Comedy Jam. No, not and just the West. No, no. But let's, but let's be clear, because I just watched this documentary. It's not the West Coast version. It was the beginning. Yeah, it was yes. the beginning. It was yeah, the beginning. Russell Simmons is uh, what's his name? Stan Lathan. Uh, I think it was Russell Simmons in particular. They saw the Comedy Act Theater. They came to L.A. because L.A. is the birthplace of really black comedy, like really blowing up yeah. at that time. Right, um, right. And so they came here to LA. That's right. Gotta shout us out. They came here. Yeah, you know, I was about to say, yeah, don't, don't let, don't sleep on that point, y'all. <laughs> they came here and they, um, they, they basically saw how big it was, how the big the black comedy scene was blowing up here. And then they created Deaf Comedy Jam based off of the Comedy Act. So just go ahead. Right. So when you look at the Comedy Act Theater and the way that comedy, if you can find, I think you might be able to find clips of that on YouTube. Um, it's not very many of them, but if you can find it, man. There's a documentary called Fat Tuesday. It's on, I believe it was on Amazon Prime when I saw it. It's called Fat Tuesdays. And it talks about basically the growth of the black comedy scene and how you start to see more black comedians in movies and stuff like that. And what happened was um, after the 92 uprising or the riots, as you guys call them, um, it was difficult to get people who were in the Hollywood scene, like the white people to go south of the 10 freeway because that's where South Central is and that's where the Comedy Act Theater was. So what they started to do was create Fat Tuesdays 
um, which is like the worst comedy night <laughs> in the clubs in Hollywood. And um, that was created to try to get more um, opportunities for Black comedians in, in Hollywood. So it's a great documentary, but it does have clips from the Comedy Act Theater and Robin Hill. Yeah, you said it's called Fat Tuesdays? Fat Tuesdays, P-H-A-T. If, if, yeah. if I remember right, um, and pardon me if you said this already, um, weren't they given Tuesday nights because Tuesday night was like the wackest night? So just figured, yeah, just, just give it to the black people. And then yep. they actually made it the hottest night. The hottest night, because like all the ball players would show up, the celebrities would show up. It ended up being like the best night. And so it ended up being a moneymaker. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. Friday and Saturday nights, Thursday nights, easy to get people in a comedy club. But Tuesday night is kind of like a hump night. Like people don't go. So they kind of gave yeah. it to them thinking like, oh, fuck it. Just let them have it. So, so when you look at the Comedy Act Theater and then you have the, the quote unquote, the comedy store, which was owned by Pauly Shore's mom. Right. So Chris Rock goes to the comedy store. He probably still go, goes to this day. You know what I mean? But that's where I mean, not I'm not saying that black comics don't go to the comedy store, but they wouldn't go into the Comedy Act Theater because there's it's rough. You know what I'm saying? You you had to have your shit together. You know what I mean? Towards yeah, the a comedy store, you, you can kind of, you know, go try out stuff. You know, they say that um, the big name comics, Dave Chappelle, people like that, you know, they go to the uh, comedy store at three in the morning and do a set for like an hour and a half. You know what I mean? Just, I mean, just be up there all day. They say Eddie Murphy would show up every now and then or uh, Arsenio Hall and places like people like that, you know what I mean? At the comedy store in LA, you know what I mean? But the comedy act theater, yeah. you got to kind of like wear your hard hat. You got to have a mouthpiece on when you go up in there. So yeah. it's different. I don't think Chris Rock was built for that. I don't think he it's not not built for it. I don't think he that. wanted it. It's interesting you say that because um, if I'm not mistaken, I, I remember reading Chris Rock has a, a disability to where um he was unable to like um how can I say he was unable to process um verbal cues or something like that. it was some kind of disability that he has where like is when it, he's is saying it something that, is this the one that he said is it the one that he said he just discovered he had it as an adult? Yeah, yeah. He and then he just got therapy for basically what it what it is. It's like if he's saying something about somebody he can't tell from visual cues that that person is uncomfortable and, and all this type of stuff or that they're getting mad or anything like that. So he'll keep going and going and going, not is even realizing that he's being inappropriate. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's a it's some type of form of... Coincidentally, as a comedian, huh? <laughs> as a comedian, that's what I found strange. Like, damn, so why would he be afraid of bombing if he, you know what I'm saying? He, 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 he just up there telling joke after joke and nobody's amused. <laughs> he wouldn't know. You know what I'm saying? When they start booing, he just keep on going. He didn't even right, know that like, it was bad. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's it's um I think it's, it's called so I had to Google it. It's called it's, nonverbal learning disability and it's similar to like Asperger's or autism. Right, I, was right, to say, right. I think it's on the spectrum from what I understand. Yeah, yeah. yeah something like it is kind of like on the spectrum. I do remember reading about that and I just thought that was interesting because as a comedian, how the hell does that work? Like you, you got to feed off of the crowd. Like, yeah, yeah. I think sometimes uh, it has to be extreme before like it has to go too far before they realize, oh, it's almost like um, how sometimes people whose danger cues are off, like you mm-hmm. don't know you're in danger and like you're, you're because this what happens is our brains have signals that go off. The chemicals go through our brain. Listen, okay, I'm in danger. Your hair stand up, chemicals shoot off, or right. there's certain signals that go to your brain. This person's angry. This person's upset. We we we're, because we just naturally do that. We don't realize what it feels like to just not have that. Because <laughs> so, so so what happens to, to some Bundy. people? It has to it has to get way too far before they realize. Wait, something's wrong here. This you know, person doesn't want to be strangled. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, here, here's him. Ta- here's him talking. Here's him talking about it. It's a very short. It's only three paragraphs. So I can read it in like thirty seconds. Uh, Rock has been doing seven hours of therapy a week since a friend suggested he may have Asperger's syndrome, a condition on the autism spectrum with generally higher functioning. The actor went through nine hours of cognitive test and was eventually diagnosed with NVLD, which makes it difficult for him to understand nonverbal signals. So he's better um understanding nonverbal signals, but apparently he can be very good at verbal stuff. But it says, all I understand are the words he said. He explained that he can take things quote unquote too literally and has in quote unquote all or nothing thinking as the Hollywood reporter describes it. By the way, all of those things are really great for writing jokes. They're just not great for one-on-one relationships. I'd always chalked it up to being famous anytime someone would respond to me in a negative way, I think whatever they responded to something that has to do with who they think I am now I'm realizing it was me a lot of it was me that's it yeah that makes sense because I yeah, can see because if you could understand because if you're a comedian a verbal cue is a laugh right yeah. but if everybody's just sitting and everybody's sitting quiet okay
okay, that's a, right. that's yeah. the silence. But if someone's looking awkward and you don't you don't recognize they're feeling awkward <laughs> or they feel uncomfortable because <laughs> they're not saying I'm uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah, the body language. Right. I, I mean, it, it could explain why he was laughing up until Chris Rock slapped him. <laughs> he, up until Will Smith slapped him. <laughs> <That's the point. laughs> he the point. Language. She's like, oh, he's coming to give me a hug. Because he's going to act like, <laughs> you know, like, hey. He was laughing the whole time, too. Yeah, yeah, he was laughing. He's like, uh oh, uh oh, but he's like, uh oh, you know, and then he got all the way up to his face and slapped him. And the whole time, but he, he got a verbal cue first, though. Keep your wife's name out your oh, mouth. Oh, 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 no, oh yeah, 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 yeah. No, no, that's no, true. No, no, he said that after he slapped him. Oh, he did. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, oh, yeah, right, was after. Yeah, right. yeah. After he slapped him, he came and sat back down. <laughs> then he yelled it. Oh, he was wow. like, oh. And then he kind of like stuck. It looked like he almost. I, I don't want to get with the conspiracy, but it kind of looked like he was anticipating the slap a little bit. Yeah, oh, I, think, no. I think he was playing around. Like, like he thought it was gonna be like a play fighting like type of thing, you know? And then yeah. uh, like like that that man was yeah. Great. Yeah, but right, actors are also like they're used to improvisation. So in his mind, he's thinking maybe he's getting ready to improvise. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't I don't think in his right mind he thought that <laughs> that dude was really gonna <laughs> slap the shit out. Of yeah, him. I don't think he did either. <laughs> I don't think anybody expected. that. That. Well, that's why so many people when I thought it was a skit. That's why everybody yeah. thought it was a skit, you know. And that's why people were waiting to watch this special to see what the hell Chris was going to say. It was like, wait a minute. I still remember Lapita Nyong'o. <laughs> Yo, her face was like, what? I didn't see it live, but I, I had to wonder what it was like to continue having people act like nothing happened <laughs> and carry on. That was the weirdest thing. He's just sitting in the audience. My thing with Yo, everybody being like so dramatic has- about it. Like, I thought the extra dramatics about it was what was killing me. You thought it was dramatic? I thought everybody kind of acted like no, how... At the, no, at the Oscars itself, yeah, I'm about afterwards, like, oh my God, it was like the worst oh, thing ever. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. My they never like, seen the, they'd never seen the Source Awards, apparently. My favorite my exactly. favorite was that guy, Judd Apatow. He was like, I was afraid for my life. I was like, man, if you don't sit your ass down. Shut the fuck Shut up. The fuck Here up. And, uh, what was the, what's the white lady name? She was all super dramatic. Oh, like, um... What's her name? The Amy, Amy Schumer. Schumer. <laughs> like, he slapped her. Like, get out of here. She's a, at least she's a woman. She's a white woman. She's supposed to be doing that. Like, always making it by herself and acting like she was in danger. Yeah. But, I mean, you're a grown man. Like, the, the Jedi Patel. I mean, Amy <laughs> Schumer's not off the hook. She was bad. But maybe it's sexist of me, but it comes off worse coming from a grown man to, to me. You know? Jim, you hear what Jim Carrey said. Jim Carrey said he would sue Will Smith for $100 million, And he yeah. wasn't playing either. <laughs> he was I'm not playing. Yeah. Well, white people love to sue. You know that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so this is this is the other thing about the, this. I didn't like how he. I didn't understand the joke about not fighting in front of white people. I'm not gonna lie to you. I was never taught that. Maybe because I come from a single parent home, but I was never taught that. And I didn't grow up around white people either. So it never crossed my mind to not fight in front of white people. I never I heard that. that. The problem with that is it's the, you'll fight in front of white people, but you'll do good hair and say the nigger versus n-word joke. Like if, <laughs> if you just have some consistency across yeah, the board about not embarrassing no black people. Yeah. In front of white people. Now, there's okay certain topics it. I don't talk about in front of white people. I yeah. have been taught that, but I have never, I've never heard like you, you're not allowed to have a fight in front of white people. I mean, I don't agree with it, but I could respect it more if I felt there was some consistency to it in his life. But even in that show, he's talking about black people looking behind the baby's ear. Like he's giving all the dirty laundry of how black people are. Some of it, I think, accurate. Black people, I, I don't remember no specific white rules, but I do remember being taught, you know, at a very young, you just didn't do certain things publicly, period. You know what period. I'm saying? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It wasn't about not doing it in front of white folks. It was, you know, we don't discuss this publicly in front of non-family or we don't do this public. You know what I'm saying? But There's certain behaviors that you don't do in public. Period. It ain't just about you know, in front of the white folks or nothing like that. It just, well, you know. Well, there were just certain topics I just wouldn't talk about for the white people. Meaning things that like black topics that I might talk about just privately with other yeah, black yeah, people. Yeah. You know, like I'm gonna discuss black economics with white people. Like why right. the hell would I do that? Yeah, I got <laughs> you. you. Know? Got you. Um, but I just never heard of that. I, I'm like, and he made it out because I was raised with parents, and I was like, "Well, what the fuck is that supposed to mean?" Like, if you were raised with single parents, yeah, and yeah, somehow he's... you're degenerate and you weren't pra- raised properly. Like, yeah, what the fuck the, are you trying that to imply? My mind too. That totally crossed my mind. I agree. That was weird. Yeah. Oh well, because you were raised with parents, you allow somebody to slap the hell out of you. Okay, buddy. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> That's... 
to, that, to yeah. me, to me, I think the better thing would just be to say, because have you ever had someone say or do something that's so out of pocket? It takes you a couple seconds to process it. Like, did that just happen? Like, sometimes you don't have the response ready because you're like, that's what I was. That's I would have gave him that. Yeah, that totally happened because I would have been in, I would have been in shock because by the time you process it the guy's already back in his seat so he might have been thinking okay what am i gonna do run down there now or whatever mm -hmm. but i mean in front of millions of people i think it's easy sitting from your uh, chair at home with all the hindsight and the lack of adrenaline to say what you would have done but yeah. I, you know i think it's gonna be tough i'd rather him hear him say that and say that weird thing which is like so so you didn't do it because you're afraid of what white people are gonna think that's bizarre that's yeah. even weirder exactly yeah, exactly you know you know it wasn't it, it wasn't the right type of environment you know i'm in a suit whatever something better yeah. than <laughs> i mean i saw it second i saw it second hand and i couldn't process I was it it wasn't even happening to me i was like what the fuck did i just see you don't talk about it why folks it just sounds so goofy i, I yeah, didn't none understand of us were, yeah i don't think uh, any of us will ever talk that as i don't remember the the conversation but you know we don't talk about especially this. the way you went to throw black people under the bus in the past i mean come on like like it's just too much like, you, well, like honestly man i think that's what this that's what that was that comment that you said he said i didn't watch the special but it doesn't surprise me that he that he made a reference you know because i was raised with parent with both with two parents or whatever that's a direct shot at the black community right mm, so right. it doesn't surprise me that he would deflect and try to um send shots at us because we a lot of us were the ones talking about i wouldn't have let nobody slap me I would have, you know what I'm saying? So he feels his his thing to do is to uh, dump on us. That's easy for him to do. You know? Right. Yeah. And like I, you said, he's been he's been comfortable doing that in the past. You're right. Like you have a whole movie where you're walking around in beauty supply stores with some fucked up looking hair talking about you want to buy Afro hair, whatever the fuck he was doing <laughs> in that movie. Good hair. Y'all remember that shit? I, I, I remember there was one scene that really struck me where he showed like um uh, he made a Wild West kind of skit. Uh, with and, the hair as a tumbleweed. Yeah. 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 The hair weaves are like tumbleweeds and he's like, like, like the hood is full of weaves as tumbleweeds and I think you call them tumbleweaves and, and, yeah. and, like, and like he had to shoot the tumble I'm like come on man like it's just, yeah, it but you know, you, Rita, you're right though. That one little part where he was, anybody want to buy some black hair? That that was, yeah, that was. You know what makes it so? Up. What makes it so fucked Real up? Coolish. Is, yeah. no, but what makes it so fucked up is the fact that, and this is how I know he didn't really do much, very much research at all. First of all, you can buy natural hair textured wigs, weaves, whatever. Like that exists. That's that's a thing. It had existed at that time when he made that documentary. So why would mm -hmm. you do that? Like, what was the purpose of that? Or yeah. what was the goal of that part of your documentary to say that people won't buy it? Because the reason why the lady was like, I don't want to buy it. Nobody want that hair. Not because it was natural textured hair. It was a you came up there with a bag full of garbage. Like it was yeah. matted up and it wasn't it neat. It wasn't organized. It wasn't processed. Like, it wasn't. It hadn't been through anything. <laughs> like it was just just walking <laughs> up about you want to buy some hair. Like, it was just yeah. it was ridiculous. even the straight hair. They have to wash it, process it, dry right. it because they showed the the process and put it in he, packaging. He knows that. Yeah, yeah, he knows that. Right. It, it was it was all types of stuff. Then he goes to the black barber shop and then just a video of black men just talking about us and you know you can't touch black woman hair and you know it was just like oh I, my god like come I'm, on if you ever sat in like a hood black barbershop there'd be people come into the barbershop selling all types of stuff and it's stuff you'd normally like but like like dude you pull it out of your pants I remember some dude pulled meat out of his pants <laughs> and, shit and, and, and he clearly just boosted it somewhere Hey, somebody just did that to me today, bro. I'm not even capping. That's so funny you bring that up. I, I swear to God, somebody just did that to me today. Yeah. What it, was it, it was it some was jewelry. It was some jewelry. It was some jewelry, bro. <laughs> this dude just pulled out like a package of shrink wrap meat. And everyone was like, yeah, dude, they know it's gonna but that doesn't mean people don't like meat. They just don't know that shit in your pants. Yeah, yeah. Same same with that. that oh, I was trying to figure that out back. too. I don't know if it was nigga, it must have just been freshly stolen or something. I don't know what the hell. <laughs> why, like, bro, why you got pockets, my nigga? Why are you okay? <laughs> good for some pants. stolen I steaks. thought he was about to pull some crack from between his cheeks or something. Like, what the you doing? Wait, 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 y'all. Don't talk over where I got to know the answer to this question. No, 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 no. Hell oh. no. No, I, I thought that's what he was because I'm grew up I missed, saying I missed that. the question. I missed the question. Oh, I asked him that he pulled the jewelry from behind him in his pants. Oh. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, there's no good answer to that. It's just the worst answer. There's a bad answer right. and a worst answer. <laughs> right. Like, oh, that's that's crazy. Yeah, it's the same with that hair. Like, you know, like who's pick pick a bag full of loose hair in a bag, a plastic bag? <laughs> what, what are you proving with that? Nothing. Don't, yeah, don't care. Man, <laughs> <It's fucking> <laughs> <laughs> All right, y'all. So. That is the end of part one. Go to, again, patreon.com forward slash champagne sharks or click the link in the show notes to get part two. Be good.